Hello everyone and welcome to ESG Explored, the podcast that talks to people about how they are managing the environmental, social and governance factors, how they are identifying the risks and embracing the opportunities. I'm Sarah Delahunty and in this episode I'm joined by Mike Kaiser, Director General for the Department of State Development, Infrastructure, Local Government and Planning for the Queensland Government. This is a department that's overseeing the government's agenda to drive the economic growth, infrastructure and planning. Welcome, Mike. What a portfolio. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Yeah, it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Um, Mike, thanks for coming on. And But before we get into some of the components of your current work with the government, you had a, li- a life outside of being in government. You're in business. How have you seen the evolution of ESG for businesses? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, well before well before my time in the business community, of course, you know, I think the private sector really, I'm talking many decades ago, really yeah. embraced the idea of um, purpose yes. and um, societal responsibility. And then, of course, along came Milton Friedman and, mm. um, and uh, you know, greed is good and all of that yeah. in the 80s. And um, it's all been about kind of shareholder returns since yeah. then. Um, but there's a real swing back, I think, as people recognise that consumers and investors are really focusing in on ethical behaviour and responsibility towards society and environment. And so, you know, in the 10 years that I was kind of out of government or more, I think that was an amazing period where we saw the private sector really swing back to, uh, in many senses, its original roots of having a strong social and environmental purpose to the work that it does. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it, we did see that shift in that 90s and the 2000, early 2000s and, and some of the terms that people are familiar with, of course, are that corporate social responsibility sort of came into play a lot yeah. more, didn't they? Yeah, and unfortunately, I think, you know, the whole corporate social responsibility um, wave did become a bit uh, dumbed down in a sense mm. that it was that it too easily became just a couple of pages in the annual report. Yeah. It was yeah. became a tick and flick exercise. And that's one of my deep concerns about ESG. Mm. Uh, and you know, the understandable obsession with how it gets reported. Yeah. If we um if we take that to its nth degree, we might just get to where CSR um unfortunately got to, which is yeah. just a tick and flick compliance exercise. Um I hope that doesn't happen because the spirit of ESG is about ethical behaviour. It's about mm. responsibility towards environment and society and transparency. Um, so, you know, I, I have that fear about ESG and the whole kind of global work that's going on around standards. I understand it, yeah. but I hope we don't lose the essence of the underlying motivation. I don't think we will, by the way, because, you know, there is such a drive from the investment community yes. and from consumers now to require... Um, to require ethical behaviour from the private sector. Yeah, I agree on that. And that governance section, uh, to bring in the G part of ESG mm. is going to hold people, that accountability piece is yeah. going to ma- be maintained, um, which I hope as well doesn't lead to that tokenistic, like you said, the two pages in the annual review, which are nice couple of photos, and yeah. um, which is good. We might come back to that a bit more, um, Mike, in um, a bit later on, because it's a good piece around that the regulation um, that comes into how businesses behave. So if we look now at some of the key components of the, of the department you lead, uh, the, the state plans uh, sit under your agenda and you've recently announced a review of the South East plan, which is a bit exciting given the next 10 years of the South East corner of Queensland. How do you see that developing with an ESG? And Mike, if we want to look at that with that sort of that, um, that ethical behaviour over how we develop a state I think it's absolutely critical. Um, it, it is an important lens to put over 
land use and infrastructure planning. I think mm. it's a really useful frame to look at that um, to look at that through. Uh, you know, the state plan that we currently have, the SEQ regional plan, sorry, that we currently have served us well until about nineteen. Um, sorry, 2021. Yeah. Uh, but then we got sideswiped by COVID. Mm. And uh, since then, we've seen growth rates in Southeast Queensland return to what yeah. they were like back in the 90s. It's extraordinary. Mm. We have a thousand people a week moving here again. And of course, we need to accommodate them. And that, and that sudden influx combined with problems in the construction industry are causing real social issues like the housing crisis yes. that we're in. And yeah. I don't think the word crisis is an exaggeration. Uh, so, you know, as we replan SEQ's future based on the new circumstances that the region faces, it is going to be important to take that social view of it, definitely an environmental view, and importantly, governance. One of the big issues that even industry is raising with us is what happens between uh, plan reviews? What You know, yeah. they, they're usually reviewed on a five-year cycle. How do we govern the plan yeah. transparently and honestly and with integrity so that we can uh, see what's going on between plan reviews. So the so the governance aspect is definitely a big feature of the of the review, and the environmental and social aspects are clearly there. You know we have to accommodate more people. Growth is good for our economy and is good for society, but we have to accommodate that growth. And there's only a couple of choices. You can either go out through urban sprawl, yeah. or you can go up with mm. more density. Yeah, it, it, they're pretty simple choices, but so much in our planning frameworks prevent those prevent those outcomes um, that would lead to better environmental and social uh, results. So these are some of the tough issues that we just have to tackle in this review because um, I get the sense that industry and even government, to an extent, in the past has been putting its head in the sand about some of the consequences yeah. of growth. If we want the benefit of growth, we have to manage it properly, and ESG is a great lens through which to do that. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's a really good point, especially about your going up or going out. Um, you know, you impact environment either way. You have to sure. maintain a connected society. Um, so your density or your sprawl um, is still impacted around that connectivity, which increases your, um, your livability space, which is your society staff. So it all sort of has that lens over it, which is, and then you review, like you said, um, how do you report back? How do you, what stages are you reporting back that governance and um, openness and transparency about how things are working and, and not working and what needs to be included in the next review? So it'll yeah. be an interesting yeah. couple of months to see that all sort of play. It will. And we're doing it, we're doing it quickly because, yes. you know, the crisis warrants a quick review from the government. Uh, and really importantly, we're having to link into the land use plan infrastructure planning. Uh, and, you know, that sounds simple and sounds so logical. It's actually a really challenging thing to do. But we have to integrate infrastructure provision with land use planning mm. uh, in order to do exactly what you described, Sarah, of making sure that we don't impact um, the environment uh, adversely with either mm. density or sprawl. A, a big part of that solution is um, is getting the infrastructure provision right. It is, yeah. Mike, we hear a lot around the globe around the numbers that are thrown around around investment um, in ESG and, you know, 90 trillion is one that you see written in lots of different ways. How does Queensland position itself um, to be that attractor of some of that investment, given what's going on in Queensland? Like you said, a thousand people a week moving here. How do we, how do we get into that um, investment space? Oh, I think we've got, um, we've got a great We've got great frameworks here in Queensland, Australia for that matter, um, in terms of our 
governance already in terms of government regulation. I, I find it really interesting and I like to taunt my friends in the private sector with this, <laughs> that the very regulation that they complain about um, adding costs and complexities to their business, that regulation that's imposed on the private sector is now actually going to be the basis on which they can build their global competitiveness and build their ESG credentials. Mm. Because, you know, if they're required to act responsibly towards First Nations people, if they're required to act responsibly in this jurisdiction towards the environment and social yeah. outcomes, then that gets them 90% of where they need to be mm. in terms of being able to attract investment or attract customers for whatever they're making. Uh, and so, you know, I think our credentials here in Queensland They've come about quite naturally because we're, you know, an advanced society and we have good governance um, processes. Uh, and, and that, um, while it's been built up quite naturally over the years, is now a fantastic foundation yeah. for attracting that investment and also uh, helping to make any businesses that are located here competitive in an ESG conscious world. Yeah. And that, um, how do you see that, uh, that regulation and, and what we've got in place here eliminating that greenwashing? Because... I don't think there's a week that goes by that you're not hearing about a company who's being either called out for greenwashing or investigated in some way. We don't want that here. We want that um, rigour and that integrity with it. So how do, we, how do you see that? I think, I think helping um, business to or making sure businesses are compliant with, regular, with the regulatory regimes we have in place and the regulatory regimes that might emerge uh, within government as a result yep. of ESG consciousness, helping them to comply with that, but also helping them to demonstrate their compliance will be will be really important. Um, uh, there's a fantastic um, effort going on in Queensland at the moment um, to develop blockchain technology, for mm. example, that will help businesses located in Queensland demonstrate that it, down through their entire supply chain that they've sourced ethically, for example. Yep. That's going to become really critical. A great example um, I used to use when I was in the resources department is that the European Union is about to require a battery passport mm. for any batteries that they import um, or battery material that they import into Europe. And that's going to require companies to demonstrate the provenance of all of their materials yeah. um, in every component of the battery right down through the supply chain. We've got a, we've got a great opportunity here in Queensland uh, to help businesses demonstrate compliance and demonstrate provenance um, by using, for example, blockchain technology um, that helps them demonstrate that down through the whole supply chain. So that's a really good point, Mike, to bring it back to that smaller businesses because we're talking quite large here around Queensland or southeast Queensland and the plans um, around that and industry. But if you're thinking about that supply chain for a small business, it does become really important to know your supply chain, doesn't it? And and know where things are coming from to eliminate that risk of that greenwashing or even um, the social washing or anything else that's coming in. So for businesses, you know, a little bit of advice on, on how they can start thinking about this to be a part of that whole, that bigger supply chain that you're talking about. Oh, it's, um yeah, and you're right, there's no, there's no end of examples of large corporations um, that have by and large done the right thing but have fallen foul of consumer or investment sentiment because somewhere deep down in their supply chain there's mm. been some small in some small but consequential amount of unethical behaviour. And, of course, you know, it's always the prime at the end of the supply chain that needs to wear that yes. and take responsibility for it. Apple's a great example um, with some of what they were sourcing uh, from some places in the world 
many, many examples. So, you know, it's very challenging, um, but it's all about great record keeping. It's all about compliance. It's all about, at the end of the day, and this comes back to what I was saying before about not losing the essence of ESG, it's all about acting with human conscience yeah. towards things like ethics and responsibility. So, you know, while some of this is incredibly complicated, some of it's pretty simple as well. Yeah. It's like, do the right bloody thing. Yeah, you that's know, And you'll be okay. And for most businesses, they are, aren't they? Like, they have, they are looking at where they're putting their money. They are looking at how to reduce their impact. They are looking at the circular economy, maybe, pieces, whether in, in full or in part of what they're doing. So... For a lot of businesses, I think they're doing the work. It's about recording it and finding yeah. that data and who holds it, where is it in your business, and then just sort of managing that with the next goal in place. comes down to record-keeping, really, mm. <laughs> or, or a lot of it does. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, so many businesses are now... I, I, I don't think... CSR, unfortunately, corporate social responsibility, unfortunately collapsed, I think, um, under the weight of a lot of cynicism. ESG is different, I reckon, um, because the mood of the world's changing and because business leaders are now being told by their kids yes. to, you know, yeah. to, um, to wake up to themselves and to behave, mm. um, to behave responsibly and ethically. I think that's a good thing. And, and, and I think you're seeing the private sector now returning to those pre-Friedman-esque days where they're understanding that it's not all just about shareholder primacy. That, that, that they need to adopt a broader stakeholder responsibility approach of um, balancing out the value that they create amongst stakeholders. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's a good thing. I, I see a lot of really genuine effort and all of that will be, and all of that will be okay. But as you say, you still have to demonstrate it down through yeah. the supply chain. So we'll need those technologies like blockchain and we'll need great record keeping on the part of everyone in the supply chain to demonstrate the mm. provenance of those products. And I think um, just to sum that up, Mike, I think you really um, hit the nail on the head with that coming back to that purpose. So it's a purpose of your business. Your integrity piece comes out of that and then that drives um, your actions, which is all of ESG. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think the world is turning. You know, Mm. there's an organisation called the American Roundtable, which is essentially the, Mm. you know, the prime US um, uh, business lobby organisation. And a couple of years ago, it came out with a statement about mm. the role of the corporation. And they said that they acknowledge that the role of the corporation goes beyond shareholder primacy, that yes. it goes to um, uh, stakeholder responsibility, taking a broader view of who who they should share the value that gets created with. Mm. And so the idea of employees, external stakeholders, Treating the environment as a stakeholder yes. is a really interesting concept. Um, you know, I remember being in one discussion where an organisation, when I was at KPMG, an organisation said that they actually take decisions pretending that the environment is a stakeholder in the room. Oh, that's an interesting concept. By, by asking, you know, yeah. because of course the, the stakeholder, uh, the environment is a stakeholder, but they're a voiceless stakeholder. Yes. Um, but by imagining that you are taking, by imagining that they're a real stakeholder who has mm. a voice and asking yourself the question, if the environment could comment on this decision, what would it say, puts you in a great mindset around um, around the decision that you were about to Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think um, based on that, uh, we might see some boardrooms with um, a plant in a chair. 
Yeah. Uh, just as a reminder, maybe that's what we need. <laughs> well, there's some there's some corporate boards in Australia, um, particularly the banks, for example, who have adopted the practice of inviting um, environmental leaders yeah. into uh, discussions and raising board awareness of those environmental issues and the impacts of the work that they do. It's a really relevant a point to do that. that. Again, and that's a part of your governance in your if you think about your diversity and inclusion piece of your governance. Yep. Who who are our stakeholders and who do we need in the room to help us make the decisions? And it's it's moved from being in your risk register yep. to being in a boardroom conversation and yep. a responsibility. So um, I think that's a really good approach of, of some boards. Mike, any final comments before we wrap it up? What do we see next coming? Oh, look, I'm just I'm excited for the future of ESG. Um, when, mm. I was at, when I was at KPMG, I actually built a little practice in, um, in ESG and, uh, and corporate responsibility and could see the reaction and the response yeah. from um, the private sector. Everyone's jumping on board this. I, I do, as I said before, I do hope it doesn't collapse under the weight of, you know, of onerous global standards. I understand the need for that, but mm. it's pretty simple at its core, as I said. You know, yeah, do, do the right thing. Do the right bloody thing. Yeah, do the right thing by the people who you're with. Yep. So thanks very much for your time today, Mike. It's been really valuable to hear, one, about the state's plan, but also your thoughts on how we can manage that ESG lens through it. So that's been um, fantastic. Anyone who wants to know more about the plan and the stages of consultation in particular, um, I suggest they follow Mike and all the state government on LinkedIn and all the other usual social ch uh, channels and you'll get your updates there. Thanks, sure, Mike. Thanks, Sarah. Queensland Trust for Nature and ESG Explored acknowledge the traditional owners on the country throughout Australia, their diverse and continuing connections to the land, sea and community. We acknowledge they were the first conservationists and scientists and have cared for this land for their future generations. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening today.